Hello and welcome to the Ollie Podcast. Cannot believe we're at show four already. Everybody's been enjoying them and thank you so much for listening. Um, today's show is a personal favourite of mine. We have none other than local boy David Johnston on the show. He is well known for the clothing brand Outside In, as I'm sure a lot of our customers will probably be customers of theirs. Um, they have a really, really admirable cause. They're in the game to kind of rewrite homelessness and credit where it's due they're doing an awesome awesome job at that so we get a really cool insight into dave his journey so far his entrepreneurial streak and how he combined that with his passion and his purpose and he's done such an eloquent job and and i can only tip my hat to him yeah i'll not bore you too much more thank you so much for listening and i'll leave you with the company motto which is small victories repeated daily thanks guys David, welcome to the show and thanks, thanks for, for coming on. How are you? Good, yeah. It's a great day. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd love to tell you more kind of about what we do. I'm excited to kind of share the behind the scenes stuff as well and just be really honest with what it means to run a company. Big time, yeah, big time. So kind of, yeah, get straight in. You know, uh, you're 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you've done a lot between now and then. So kind of without, um, you know, not going into too much detail give us kind of your journey right up yeah, to the yeah. stage so just to start off outside in a clothing company with purpose Um, every time you buy a product we give the customer a free additional product to give to someone who's homeless so it's a it's a concept that we've called wear one share one and that's kind of been our unique selling point that is kind of in the three years that we've existed has helped us to kind of grow across the world Um, but kind of starting off um, the journey as such um. If we even look at it from the perspective of business, it's something I've always been passionate about. Um, even if it was in school and selling stuff in logger bays, um, <laughs> yes. which I feel like a lot of us have been prone to. The OG to. hustle. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, whether it was the ice pops at summer or whether it was Coke or um, cans of Coke or cans of Fanta, there was always something that we were selling to make more money to have better lunches. Um, <laughs> so I feel like that's always been a part of what I've done, it's always been like this entrepreneurial of how can I be different, how can I match my prices with other people, how can my ice pops be better than the guy <laughs> next door. Um, so I think that's where it started and even when I was at university, I didn't want to just work a nine to five job. I was like, I want to work as hard as I work that the money that I can then have from that is deserved and mm-hmm. I've, the harder I work, the more I can get from that. So I would have sold a lot of stuff on eBay, whether it was concert tickets um, or whether it was, um, clothing like just little pieces that i'd found it was always about like upselling the price of something i'd found and i just loved doing that on the side because it meant i could still do all my hobbies and i could have a flexible work life around university Mm -hmm. so i feel like even in university always was thinking like how can i do something with business and that's kind of the degree i did was business management at sterling in scotland so business has always been something that has been ingrained in my head um and i was always it wasn't until university um, and doing street photography that I started seeing a different side to that and looking at how can we use creativity to actually help people at the same time. Would you say, so I think from this and you, you kind of, you realize during uni, right, I can make a life out of this, but it, there's probably a big underlying thing there that you've, this is in your DNA, mm. you know, considering the fact that you were selling at school and whatnot, you know, has it always been that way? Is that always the way you've thought? Yeah, I think even I used to keep a diary in in university and I always remember looking at like, right, well, what's taking too long to do or what I feel is an annoyance to society. 
and I'd write them all down because I heard if you write them down, then it's something that you may, may someday come up with a solution to it. And they always say that some of the best ideas aren't brand new ideas, it's just improvements of something that already exists. So I think whatever it was, I was always writing down like, okay, could we do healthy eating restaurant in university because people are craving like healthy food, but there's nothing there. Um, or was it like a delivery service because people are lazy at university? There's always things I was thinking, how can we make a solution to something that is seen as a, an annoyance? So I think it's problem solving is one of the key elements of that. Um, and the business side of things, I remember at school, like you just go through the flow of doing what you feel either is being put on you from the school point of view. Um, and I started doing like physics and maths and geography. And these are things that I'm not even passionate about. And it took me after that to go to Belfast Met um, and to do business there. And that's when I realized like business is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, to the point that I actually just love studying it, the case studies. I love like researching it. Um, and I think when you find what that thing is, it doesn't feel like work. Even when I did a placement in Melbourne in Australia, they used to call me the granddad because I would stay in all the time. I would just <laughs> read books. Yeah, they were going out at night. Yeah. But for me, it was like, I want to take this seriously. Like, I really want to do something in my life that is business purposed. So it's like, I'm, I don't mind reading this case study at nighttime, knowing they're all out. Um, I'm going to be banging the door when I come back. It's like, it's worth it. So I think for me, it's just been like, as you say, 27, only doing this for three years. The rest of it was research. It was a lot of like finding my place within business and not being scared to like get mentors or yeah. ask people questions or read books that are going to help me with that. Yeah, I think that's one thing is like for anybody starting out as well is like, yes, you might not be in a position to launch your business, but you can be reading books. You can be like you like you've done selling things online. You can learn that sales process. You can learn setting up how to set up systems to manage maybe inventory or to manage uh, payment, whatever. But there's always something you can be doing. And I think it's like, you're probably a wee bit hard on yourself. You're saying that you only started three years ago, but really you probably started 10 plus years ago, you know, being in the lockers at school. And um, one thing I've actually really latched onto there whenever you're talking, you seem very, that you have big, deep core values in, in wanting to have a purpose in what you do. Um, where does that come from? Um, I think whether it's my family or my mum or my granny, they've always been people who wanted to help people. So I think it's been ingrained in me from a young age um, to never look at someone and judge them straight away. Um, I know I'm from Kalibagi, which is a little village, but a big part of my life has always been traveling. Mm -hmm. And I love putting myself into cultures that I've never been in before because I love feeling like that. I don't know, I've always loved risks and I love like creating things that, opportunities and experiences that are like so different to what I'm used to I love putting myself out of my comfort zone so when I've traveled I've done a lot of volunteering and mission work and I always have come to the view that like we as humans are like we all need connection and we all need this purpose but I just love um for me I guess it's just helping people in need um and whether that's with time whether that's with resources I think no matter where you go around the world there's always a need for p people are in need um and I, from kind of my, my childhood, it's always been something that I've been very much aware of, that there's a lot of people out there that are hurting. Um, and I wanted to help in any way I could. So I think business is kind of aligned with that because that's naturally where I feel my skill set is. But before that, whether it was just playing football with kids in Brazil, um, whether it was in Egypt running a sports club um, with Muslim and Christian kids, for me, it's always been how do I, um, have whatever's in my hand in that moment, it's like, how can I help? 
So I think it's just the experiences through life that have made me very much understanding of different demographics, very much put me into positions where um, I think Northern Ireland can be quite cultured. So it's very open my mindset to what the real world can sometimes look like, mm-hmm. um, which is easier now with social media, but 10 years ago it wasn't. Oh, yeah. um, so I think traveling at a very young age definitely helped me with that. Um, and I would say, without sounding too cheesy, like this, you know, what you've just said, that's your core purpose, that's your why as mm. such, you know, and that in turn is kind of what makes you get up out of bed, I would assume. Yeah. And has, do you reckon you've really latched onto that whenever delivering, um, you know, outside in, um, maybe just one of the bigger projects you've done, but um, throughout every project you've ever done, do you reckon that's been the main driving force and why you've maybe found success? Uh, sooner and faster than than some others yeah i think when i was was at uni i remember chatting to the football team and they knew i loved business and they were like david what are you going to do after university like we know that you love like business and i was telling them i was going to maybe start a fast food restaurant that was going to be healthy eating um so it just shows you from that moment although i had already done the street photography and helped those who are homeless i just i was scared to be like how can i link that with business straight away so the natural of me was nearly going to like just to do a business for the sake of business. But then there was always this underlying, like how, how do you mix the two together? And I feel there's not many that are out there with foundational point of view of helping people yeah. and business. And yeah. it's one of these taboos of how do you do that yeah. together? So it was one of those things that definitely took a lot of research and time to put the two together. But as you say, I think I always knew I was gonna start something and I always knew I loved helping people, but aligning those two definitely wasn't an overnight thing of like, I'm gonna finish uni and I'm gonna start something straight away yeah. to help people. So it definitely took a little bit of research to think, right, how can we communicate this to the world and how can it inspire other people as well? Yeah, I think it's a it's testimony to your character, mate. Uh, you know, I know um, I get a few people messaging me, you know, how do I start this and how do I start that? And I think um, it's a big common misconception that you go into business to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly, uh, well, it wasn't the driving force for me getting into business, but it was one of the motivating factors. I mean, if I'm willing to work harder to the guy than the guy to my right, well, then, you know, I deserve to get more. That's just the way I, I look at it. Um, but whenever you derive, um, you, or whenever you bring your passions and your interests and your core values in and you make this kind of, you stir it in a pot and you get this idea that you can execute on all of those fronts, it's it's magic, mm. you know, and you can really see that in outside in and, um, you know, as a brand, as someone who's built a brand, I'm in complete awe of what you've done because it's, you know, from the, the, the perspective of helping people, like you're really, really delivering on that. Um, I mean, with everything, like I've, I've walked through Belfast and I see many people with, with the outside in and it shows that it's really, really impact on people and what's kind of but the the big thing i want to get to is kind of why why homelessness why Mm. um why did you go down that avenue of helping yeah i think um as i said the travels have always been people in need and but when it comes to actual homelessness it was in my second year at uni and one of my friends asked me to be part of a street photography page now i had no experience in street photography had never kind of had a camera but he knew that i loved talking to people and so that was something that i did once a week um, but during my time of doing that, um, I met this individual on the street called John. Now, usually when it came to like homelessness, it wasn't something that I naturally would have sat down with someone on the street. And I would have been very like skeptic, especially when you look at big streets like Princess Street in Edinburgh. 
I always thought, how do we know these people are genuinely homeless? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's a question we all ask ourselves, um, especially when I saw them with good shoes or I saw them with a really good phone. You do suddenly have these like negative perceptions of homelessness That's that creep actually. in. Yeah. And I think that started challenging me. I was like, well, okay, you can have these perceptions, David, but are you going to willing to get to know the individual behind them? Um, because that's the only way that I could really know if it, if they were genuine or not. I thought was by actually breaking those barriers down and sitting down and saying hello. And this one guy called John I met. I know he he had a good he had a good phone, but hearing his story, um, and kind of the relationship breakdown in his life and how that spiraled into alcohol, I realized like how easily it, to become homeless it it could be, but also that this was a human, that this was someone's father, this was someone's son. Um, and because of that, it changed my whole perception, like my whole negative social perception started to unravel. And then once you, I heard one story, I wanted to hear them all. So it's, this street photography page changed from just being um, tourists who were walking past or locals. It became like, I want to hear the stories of people who are homeless because like myself, I had negative social perceptions of it. And if, if it simply meant me stopping and saying hello, change mine how many more people could we change simply by a conversation so that's when the page kind of changed for me in that we started sharing these stories on the page and we focused really not on the negative side of their story but more on like the hopeful side so i'd be like what's your dream um or kind of what was the biggest passion of your life and do you still have that and what would you like to do with that um and to see that they still had a hunger and a desire for that really excited me because i was like these people are maybe only getting four hours sleep five hours sleep living it rough but they still find purpose and they still believe that there's better days coming. Um, and even though they're isolated in society, they just need to help. They just need someone to stop and encourage them. Um, and that's kind of for me where the passion really began. And then after I finished uni, I was like, right, this is what I want to do. And as I said, how do I mix business? How do I mix this purpose? But when I traveled, I went to Cape Town and I went to Paris and I realized the same issue was there. People in the streets, people being neglected, and the craving for connection and the craving to feel part of society. Um, so that's kind of where I realized it's a global issue, so it needs a global solution. How do we create a global solution that involves society doing something about it? And there's great companies out there like Tom's um, or the Given Keys, but I couldn't see anything that actually got the customer physically involved. Um, and that's where I spent a lot of time researching um, even like volunteering with a lot of charities in Belfast and I realized that clothing was a really well-needed item on the streets for people who are homeless but I couldn't work out why like why there was nothing out there that was giving them new clothing it was always second hand and it really frustrated me because I was like these people already feel outside of society they feel like not part of it so how do we make them feel part of it and the only way I thought we could do that was giving them brand new clothing. And it had to be branded for me because I'd worked in Hollister in, um, in Glasgow and I hated how these brands create social status and we would be even advised in the store to only approach certain people who we thought aligned with the brand. Whereas I wanted to create this brand that turned it on its head and says, are you willing to wear this brand that people in the streets are wearing? So I knew it was going to be like and out it's, there. And it's, it's, it's such an interesting take on it because like I say, with generally with brands now it is social status and yeah. it's you know if you're wearing a north face jacket that means you're a certain somebody and if if you're wearing a, a you know maybe a levi's pair of jeans you you um are part of a subculture there but it's such an interesting take on it to to say that you know the guy on the ground that's sitting in the corner um you know maybe asking for a bit of money he's got that outside in hat on 
but you've got that on as well. And that I, I have never ever witnessed that connection before mm. um, in terms of branding and like how you've done that is so eloquent and it's so fascinating. Um, and in fact, you know what it was? It was outside in that actually made me aware of the prevalence of homelessness. Mm. And like that's complete credit to you. Um, like I'm in my in my lane at all times and like for it was outside in that really, really opened my eyes up to just how prevalent it is. Um but the big thing a big thing I wanted to say was like you're doing incredible things, like crazy things for homelessness, but you still there's still people that are pushing back and still people that are, you know, can't see the good that you're doing. You know, how do you deal with that? Um, because even you're doing a good thing and you know hopefully everybody listening knows and understands and they can hear that I can hear that but how do you deal with people going against the grain I think the biggest thing when I started off was the research was the the big part so whether it was um, aligning with charities with similar core values um, or even just chatting to people in the streets to see what they needed I think as a society sometimes we can decide what's good or bad or what's helping and what's not but it's not until you actually go on the street and see what they need. What's and for it? me, outside in, when I created it, I was like, this is going to be different and it will face opposition. I knew that was going to happen. But I was like, if, as long as I know when the street team that go out every Monday and Thursday, building those relationships and giving out those products can see that this is beneficial. And we've had some skeptics even come into the office like for interviews to the point that they're now part of the giving team out in the streets, which is incredible because they've when you, get, when you go out with the street team, you see the heart and the core of who outside mm -hmm. in is and the compassion that's in every individual that's helping those in the streets. So it's not something I kind of focus on too much because I think even when we get the stories back of people giving their products around the world, um, if we meet the individuals in the streets, if we hear like, we're gonna eventually do an OI book where it's the transformational stories. So it could be some of the guys that we've reconnected with family members. Um, it could be bringing people to hospital and they get the, the attention they need. Um, walking someone home who's been drunk and getting them into their hostel. There's been so many different little stories that naturally our social media just wants to throw out there, but we have to yeah. be careful. Um, so I think it's just for us, it's been finding that balance of what can, what can we, how transparent can we be to our customers, but also like what can we protect because of the individuals that we're helping as well. How do you find that balance though? Nobody's done it. Like you're literally trailblazing. I think there has to be an element of grace then within it because people have to understand because it's new that it's we're not always gonna get it right. And I think you could look over time and um, maybe like sharing a story that maybe we should have been like, right, we needed to double check that. Mm -hmm. I think you have to realize like the heart and the intention behind it is good. Therefore, we're always striving to be better and better our social impact. So. I think it is something we're still balancing with and being careful because we never want it to come across the wrong way. But I think as long as people can see there's improvements and they can look back in a year and be like, okay, well, Outside In came up with four new given products last year. They've come up with three new ones this year. They have a street team that are doing amazing hours in the streets. They're planning given nights. Um, and there's yeah stuff that we're launching next week, which is gonna be like a game changer as well. So I think as long as we can continually show improvements, as you say, Outside In for me is an umbrella term. The streetwear is the first section of that, and I can chat about that later. But I think as long as we can create awareness, give products that help people in the streets, um, reconnect society to those living in the streets, that's the function of the streetwear brand. Um, and then there will be stuff that com comes after that. But that's the main core focus of it. If people can see that as a business that has purpose and helps, then that's their expectation. 
But as you say, there's always a very high expectation of what you should be doing yeah. when there's bills to pay, when there's rent, when there's staff. And people think, how can you give out two products for that price and also pay these people? Whereas other people like, how for 20 quid are you, where does all the money go? Where actually you're like, <laughs> it's a you've a team, it's a business well. and you need yeah. to run. So there's always that fine balance. But coming back to the social impact, I think as long as we as a team keep ourselves accountable, and that we constantly are striving for better products, more products to be given out, better connections with charities, marketing the charities in a really good way. I think my heart's, as you can maybe tell, is the social impact side 100%. rather than the fashion. So as long as I let someone focus on the fashion part, now we have a head of social impact in there as well. That's where my like expertise comes in because that's where this started. It didn't start with me going to an Italian designer school and becoming <laughs> passionate about clothing. Yeah. It started with street photography uh -huh. and then creating a tool and a vehicle for people to connect, and that was clothing. It's such an interesting journey, like how you've come from photography to the business model that you have now. Like, it's it's incredible. But let's talk about the, the brand. Let's talk about the, the, um, the streetwear clothing that you're actually making. So I'm a big guy for design. No, it doesn't matter if it's architecture, a car, a piece of clothing. I love design. Um, you know, some of the products you put out are shit hot, in mm. my opinion. Um, what is kind of your design process? You know, um, for me personally, I love like minimalism and simplicity, and I re that really resonates in, in your apparel. Is that there for a reason, or kind of talk me through your design process? Yeah, I think color was a big part of it because we were like, right, homelessness can be very black and white, so let's create something with standout colors bit of vibrancy yeah because i think it's one of these things it's like a taboo topic of like homelessness and like the the negative side but as i said i want to focus on the dreams and the hope and i think that's where like even hope sweet hope as a phrase come in and it's really been a tool because outside in as a name's great bringing those on the outside of society in but when you come to hope sweet hope it's something that you could picture in urban outfitters because everyone can resonate with needing hope in their own lives but for us it means hope in the streets as well so i think it's creating these taglines or phrases that connect that are minimal because then it fits into kind of as as you say like i was saying about i want a 80 year old wearing it and i want a 20 year old wearing it and um, which goes against marketing but i think it works with but the minimalism yeah, of it. from from a design perspective like you've done it so gracefully like mm. you know like you said you want it to be able to put it in an urban outfitter store but really there is meaning underneath that but the design is that good and that that eloquent and that kind of it's, it's good enough to be sold on mm. the high street and that's like that is such a tough balance to get i mean i can only relate like we have our signature jumper range and it was made as a gym jumper and now more girls buy it to wear it with jeans yeah than to do for the gym and uh, that came as a complete surprise to me but it just shows that you know if you get your design right it, it'll be totally applicable to other things 100%. have you seen um you know much uptake or much interest from the fashion industry like who don't even give a fuck about the social enterprise side yeah there's definitely i would say like whether it was like asos marketplace or um we get a lot of people who don't even realize that they they like the they like the clothing first when we do like pop ups and stuff around the UK they're like oh that's incredible and then you're like actually do you know you give a get a given product with that and they're like oh that's cool and then like, but they they nearly just want the, the some people are so like does that surprise you I think we want to target both because I think if that's if we have all the socially minded people that's great and they can be a real like driving force for the brand but turning someone who is like so fashion orientated 
and then flipping it in their head and then being like, actually, wait, this is something I need to think about yeah. with homelessness. There's one guy we met in LA who ran a, a high-end designer brand in New York. And I remember he was like quizzing me and like figures and what we do and the social impact. And I could see the cogs in his head starting to work and being like, wait, so you give that many products away? You give that percentage away of like what you make? And it's nearly started challenging him on like his own like his own brand and maybe what he could have been doing. And I think that's why I want outside in to be as an inspiration to other yeah. businesses to be like, okay, us, we are a business. We've been going for 30 years, but how can we start giving back? Um, so I hope it's an inspiration, but it definitely in the fashion world, I think if we can draw people in with the best quality products, but have the best concept behind it, I think naturally, I look at Stussy, Huff, Obey, Supreme, incredible brands, but can we rival them in clothing, but but an even better impact? That's where it gets exciting for me because that's where we can take on the big players, but it change the fashion it opens industry. The door, it opens the door to mass market. You mm. know, if you get into fashion and you know people are buying your, your shit because they like the garment or they like the piece of apparel, let alone, they might not even know about the social impact. Yeah. So it's like, it's like a double win mm. because you can... You know, sell them product because they want it because they like the look of it, and then they also realizing that they're helping someone as well. Like yeah. that would totally get a customer commitment. Do you find that you have a lot of retained and returning customers because they believe in your brand so much, or is it you know, do you have an an idea in the balance of new customers slash returning customers? Um, I'd say returning customers quite high because one of the guys Jack's marketing and he said for kind of the industry average it is very high, and I think it's because think about it like if you buy one of our products you go out and give out the other one the brand connection straight away of like hey i never would have chatted to someone in the street now i've had this amazing relationship with this guy living in the street it's naturally going to make you closer to this brand that's encouraged you to do something that you've never done and give you more of a purpose and because of what it stands for is really strong i think that's where we see a lot of people coming back because mm -hmm. they, they know that we're not just throwing stuff out for the sake of it there's purpose behind it and they feel part of that we get messages of people being like, it might be just a, a customer message that we send out that says, like, you're part of the OI fam now, and then we'll get an, a message being like, thanks so much for making me a part of this OI fam. So it's like people feel included, or whether it's even just coming in like to the office for a day or in placement for two days, people feel like part of this because yeah. I think we've created family, we've created this feeling of like you're part of something bigger than yourself, and that's why I think the people come back because they're like, I want to be part of something. That's one thing that I, I'm being a bit selfish here and I'm joyriding the podcast from you and Gain. But um, one thing I'm really interested in is company culture. And, and you know, you've kind of spoken about it briefly there. How did you convince so many people that you have this incredible vision and you need to deliver it? And how did you motivate them to go on that journey with you? Because it's one thing that I'm struggling with at the moment is, you know, we're getting there, of course, but delivering on company culture delivering on a vi company vision like how do you do that like how do you convince people to go to war with you like yeah i think naturally i've always loved speaking communicating presentations that sort of stuff but i think it's when as you say like i'd find the purpose and i knew my why so it didn't matter what we created whether it was burgers or clothes i think people saw the heart behind it and mm -hmm. saw the passion behind it so they got behind like they naturally wanted to be led by someone who's doing that have you always been a good communicator um it's taken time but i think it's something that as i say i've always loved doing something that makes me feel uncomfortable and at the start it maybe did at university when you're standing in front of 200 people oh, doing a presentation and shivers. i knew everyone used to like their page was shaking and stuff <laughs> I, I found like no page was better like i loved 
off the cuff type thing and like just rehearsing a little bit in my head but I think when it comes to a team we've been very careful who we allow in that team because if we put a job out there we could get 200 people applying but it's finding someone that you know whether they have everything in their CV and it's the most impressive thing that's not really what I'm looking for I'm looking for someone who's compassionate ambitious and when I say we're going to be the biggest streetwear in the world like biggest streetwear brand they believe it because if they don't then they're maybe only ever going to their expectation is going to be about a 6 out of 10 whereas I want them to be a 10 mm -hmm. or a 9 so that we can push beyond Belfast so I think that's where I think I need I, we've been careful in who we've chose for that but there's a team of maybe 12 people now and I would say every single one of them I could rival with Google, Facebook, whatever it is and I think if they come in they would see and maybe when you guys go in there later on you'll see just like how innovative and creative the people are in that office so it excites me every member we get because we're careful who we pick but when they become part of the family it just gets more stronger and stronger as a family. It's, and it's something that I've actually, we've had conversations before previously, you know, I rang up in my, in my struggle city mode and um, just the way that, you know, I was talking about expanding our team, how do you deliver a company culture, how do you kind of hire and fire and even the way you went about talking to me, like giving someone a scenario, like you give them a task, how would you do this, you know? Doesn't matter what you've got in your CV, it's how you're gonna tackle that problem is the big thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but were you, did that come naturally to you? No, definitely not. I think I read a book, um, John Maxwell, about fifteen ways to of fifteen something of growth. But in it, he definitely talked about like when he started off in business that summer. He had like a little pot of money, and he contacted all the best businessmen in the world, and he was like, "Look, I just want one hour of your time, um, and I'll travel wherever it is to meet you." And he traveled all across America just to meet these individuals. But he said it was the most valuable hour that he ever had. And I think for me, that's kind of where I found that I learned the most was meeting individuals. So whether it was like Norman Linus of Linus Foods, nothing to do with clothing, but management style and culture creating or Ben okay. Francis and creating a company in five years. It's these people who, whether it's been an hour or a day that I've had of their time that have helped push me on that little bit further. So I think never limit yourself to the industry that you're in to gain experience from. Think outside the box um, to how you can learn from others in different industries. Kind of what you're, you're doing here. Paddy, we're going to have to chop that bit up and get that on the ground, bro. That was deep. That was good. Um, so it's a bit of a generic -y question. Um, and again, it's something that I, I'm always really interested in, in asking kind of startup entrepreneurs. Um, what do you reckon are three things that every startup entrepreneur really needs and those could be qualities or skills or attributes but what do you reckon someone needs in the early days to really get a business off the ground um you know initially mm. what do you think of the core things um i would say your expectation so what is your expectation are you just going to do a nine to five are you willing to work beyond those hours because so many people want to call themselves an entrepreneur or they want to call themselves a business person but I would say it took two years before I had a normal routine. And I think people gloat and be like, oh, yeah, I worked seven days a week yeah, or six days a week. Hustle, hustle. A week. But I actually, I actually think it's not that I wanted to do that. I saw the end goal and I was like, I don't want to be doing this long yeah, term because yeah. I think rest is so valuable. And I've had to learn that. Um, but I think in those first two years, I had to spend a lot of time because online doesn't stop. It's 24 hour. People whether it's in America then or looking at your brand and then in the morning it's the UK. And I was like, I don't, whilst my 
other whilst other brands are sleeping i want to be innovating and thinking of new ideas um i have to do every element of the brand and i think if you don't invest that amount of time in it'll be obvious and you'll become a bedroom brand and you'll become something that's just a side hobby so i think my first kind of number one would be like what's your expectation do you want this to be something small and if you do that's okay there's that's nothing fine, wrong yeah. with that but i think if you want to be one of the biggest companies in the world you've got to invest your time in that and if that's a year if that's two years there's a lot of sacrifices that are going to come with that Big but time. you have to weigh up the opportunity and the sacrifices if the opportunity is greater than the sacrifices go for it and um, if you feel like the sacrifices are too much then you have to reevaluate. Is this something that I want to do for the rest yeah. of my life? What are one or two of the biggest sacrifices you've had to make? Ooh. Hmm. There's been a lot. Um, well, I, I went to, you know, obviously came home. Um, I've had to live at home for a long time. I've, I was very independent, um, but living at home meant I could afford to hire staff. Yeah, 100%. Um, whereas I couldn't have hired staff if I had my own rent and, and that sort of stuff. I think other things from missing friends, like, stag parties or engagement parties um especially the first six months were tough because i couldn't afford to go to the cinema um there was a lot of things i Preach. couldn't afford so it, it was just there was no disposable income there yeah. every penny was put towards creating the company um so that was probably the biggest sacrifice was letting family and friends down because you couldn't afford things but it's now that they understood and at the time especially in those six months when nothing actually existed and you're researching and creating you're telling them, sorry, I can't come because I'm creating this brand. And then people just think, oh, like, yeah, you're oh, creating yeah. this brand. Cool. Where is it? Where's yeah, the exactly. It's like, it doesn't seem real, but it's it's knowing that someday they'll understand. Yeah. And if they don't, it's still okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the truth. I mean, uh, you get people as well, David said, talking there about um, sacrifice, like, it is a really ugly road. It's a really mm. lonely road as well. Um, you don't have money to do things. You know, I remember um, being with my ex-girlfriend and like, you can't take them out for dinner. Mm. You can't go away for the weekend. You just can't do it. Um, and yes, you'll get away here and there, you know, through whatever reasons, you know, thank God for student loans, put it that way. But yeah, um, yeah it's, I think people think that getting into business because it's, it's going to be glamorous and it's going to be, you know, I literally have two friends that, that wanted to start a business to, to get a holiday and there's nothing wrong with that. But mm. whenever... Um, whenever you see the work that has to go in it's fucking ridiculous yeah would you say you were naive um initially starting out in business um naive in the terms of so for i can i relate to me like the naivety of me starting in business was one of my biggest strengths like yeah. i thought it was going to be easy yeah not easy obviously i'm not that naive but um you know a big big thing would come up and be like holy shit nobody told me about this and but then you know I would have the tenacity to go ahead and just see it through. Yeah. Um, you know, were you kind of naive in the sense that you did you know what was up ahead of you? So no, I'd never started a business, so it definitely was like, how do you start a business? And I think everyone assumes that everyone in business understands how to start a business, but you don't. And a lot of it is, as you say, just going with the flow, finding things out on your feet. And I think that's where I had a lot of people around me that would say, kind of, even if it's point two, like, it's find people around you that you trust, but also that you know are willing to give you advice because they care not that you have to like go to a solicitor and pay that there may be a friend whose dad's a solicitor that you can get a quick exactly. meeting with so yeah. i think think creatively around like how with a limited budget that you can still 
have an impact and uh, whether that's friends taking photos whether it's handing some people free products so they get to do the photos for you shipping it to brazil because there's a photographer on instagram said he time. wants to get involved and suddenly your photos in brazil of your stuff i think you need to think creatively around with like even we didn't have like tripods so like we would sell a tape tape to our phone and like put it on a stick oh it's yeah like you just have to think outside the box and i think because we've done that for three years now when we're able to afford a little bit better equipment you can and stuff be so creative we're so creative even more but i think it's taken those three years Big of like time. barriers coming in place and be like okay well let's just be creative with that i would almost take that as point number two yeah being creative and being able to solve the problem with the resources you have i mean whenever you initially start out all you have is a phone book on your your you know people that you've met over the years yeah. that's literally all i started with and you know there's people that got annoyed because i was maybe milking it in the early days but yeah you're absolutely right like you said that that um solicitor example really prime yeah. you know, example you know you just got to be creative and think of the resources that you actually have available there will be so many times in startup where you don't have a budget mm -hmm. you know in any startup you know you can leverage funding or you can leverage skill mm. and skill like you know what we're talking about now completely comes under that umbrella of skill 100%. um what about a third one mate third one would be your reason why so i think you have to get to why you're doing this so yeah. like i know that at the start there was days where maybe we didn't make sales for four or five days and it's tough because you have to start you start questioning your ability you start thinking is this something to do with me or is it the product itself is just not good enough um and that's kind of where i got back to the street when i given products and it was people in the streets who were homeless that are actually encouraging me to keep going because they loved the idea of the brand and the concept of it so i think you need to get to your why and i even remember at university when we're doing dissertations and the, the lecturer said make sure this is something you're passionate about because if it's not there's going to be days where you do not want to do your dissertation but you have to get back to the reason and the purpose for doing it and i think that's where we all have to find the purpose um i've like it's always been my natural to make sure that outside i'm someone who's passionate about and it i also wh whether i'm in a shop and i'm hearing someone be like oh i hate it in work and i i don't want to be in work and it's there's times where outside in yeah there's days where you don't enjoy it but like it's your purpose so you, the next day could be incredible or later on that day could be amazing but for people to be in positions where they really don't enjoy i would ask them like why are you doing it like what is it and i think that's where you have to get to the why you're doing what you're doing and if it's to further your dream great like internships or that sort of stuff i promote that because you know, maybe you're of unpaid but think of the potential and opportunities that can come from that and i think that's where people need to get to the why not the quick money or the quick answer for things because sadly things don't come the next day 24 hours even though we're an impatient culture i think we need to think right okay if i work in london for a year under this person that's going to give me these connections and opportunities and networking that's going to help me when i set up my own company in two years time so i think that's where you have to get to your why why you're doing what you're doing and make sure it's purposeful and it leads to somewhere serious value i would say like there's going to be a lot of people listening to the show that are kind of um you know where we were four or five years ago in those early stages of their entrepreneurial journey mm -hmm. um but yeah i would say listen back to those three points because you know if i i was a big advocate of reading and kind of um enlightenment on that front um but i already like i got value from even stuff that you'd say and, and i've covered those areas mm -hmm. you know in depth and i still got value so anybody listening definitely go over and replay that and replay that and replay that because you will get help um the big question, Dave, it, sorry, David, um, we ask this to everyone, 
And it's a really, really interesting uh, question because it's so relative and specific and we get a different answer every time. Um, and that question is, what is your definition of success and, and what does that look like to you? Um, and I always ask that uh, the, you know, the guests that we have on try to be succinct as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a big guy for essentialism and I just love that. So um, yeah, and word for word, what is your definition of success? I think it is a big question. Um, <laughs> I think for me, success in my own life, um, whether it's outside in and separating those two, but I think it, it's inspiring others to seek change and whether that change is helping other people, whether that's getting out of a job, as I say, into something that they find purpose in. I think I want to be known as that person who inspired other people to do what they were passionate about. Um, I love outside in and I love the clothing. I love helping people in the streets. That's what I'm passionate about. But I also want to be part of this generation where we can inspire other people to who are in school and feel like they're being told to be a certain thing, but actually they have dreams that are totally different. Um, as you say, creating this brand has created opposition as well, but because I'm so known where we're going and focused on that, I want other people to know that when I write a book and can say, here's all the opposition you're going to face, but still fight for what you're fighting for. I think for me, success is going to be inspiring other people. And then like, I might not see that in my lifetime of what that does. Maybe my children do. Um, but I want to see other people inspired by the story of outside in and my story. And hopefully from that, create their own purpose. And it could be helping the homeless, could be helping other people in need, or it could be creating stuff that makes us live longer or makes us healthier or feel better as, as, a, as a society. So uh, without that trying to be too vague, I think I just want to inspire other people to, to think creatively and to come up with new companies. No, I love it. Um, I really love it, actually. Um, totally new answer as well, Paddy. Um, has that version of success and that uh, definition of success changed in the last three to five years? Um, I would say since the encounters of homelessness and realizing how quickly something can become a passion, I think that's when I realized we can inspire a generation to care about things that they've maybe never cared about or that they've not realized that with a lack of knowledge they can be a part of. That's when it really changed. So that was maybe five years ago. Before that, it was like maybe, as you say, you can easily get caught up in like business and success. Whereas that was the moment for me that was like, my whole like life has been transformed by this one encounter. Imagine how many encounters across the world we can create that's going to inspire other people to do something amazing. Awesome, awesome. Mate, I'm not even going to add to that. That's just let let a fire under my ass. Um, we'll finish on a quick one. You know what? What's in the future for Dave David Johnson? Um, I think for me, outside in is going to be an umbrella term, as I've kind of said. I want to I want outside in to be kind of like Virgin and Richard Brunson. I want it to be like this umbrella term that's given back in many different ways. So streetwear, I think, will be the first one that will create brand awareness, create awareness of the issues of homelessness, and will give people tools, practical tools, to get to know people in the streets. But also, I would love to set up, um, and we're in the process of setting up a charity that's going to look at re-education, re-employment, and re-home of those who are homeless. The re-education phase will look at um, going into schools and educating on money management and things that actually are really valuable to helping prevent homelessness um, education of um, businesses and understanding of homelessness how they can get involved 
but then reemployment is actually us as a team creating workwear or creating our clothes and getting people who are homeless to help do that. And then eventually the rehome is where we actually have tiny homes or we have actual apartments that we can do either free rent or affordable rent and get them back into society. Because I love the name Outside In because it can be used for so much. So many things. And it's like bringing the outside of society in. Every story's different. Every way that we're going to have to help someone is going to be individual based. So I think that's where it's a big picture and it's a big dream. But I genuinely think that when I see like 60,000 people homeless in LA, I want to see that gone. Um, and I want to be a part of that, whether it's I can do it in my lifetime or if it's something that we create a foundation that inspires or helps to do that. I hope that these, not just the streetwear, that we can create all these different purposeful businesses that is going to make other companies set up and want to get involved as well. Man, I absolutely love that. I think that's a really good place to finish. Um, so yeah, mate, I'm feeling motivated. I'm feeling, you know, excited to get into Minecraft after hearing everything. Um, Thanks for having me. You know, I'm sure there's going to be people that have got serious value. So thank you, mate. Thank you for coming on and sharing your thoughts, sharing your experience. Um, we've got a lot there. Um, thank you to everyone who has listened. Um, you know, Dave is what? What get get a wee social plug? Yeah, so it's just we are OI. Um, it'll be Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and that's also our website as well. Um, and your personals? Personals will just be David underscore underscore Johnson. Okay, perfect, man. Do you, do you have a blog? No, I need to start. You need to start a blog, <laughs> bro. You need to motivate some dudes. But but yes, that's that's all we have time for today, guys. Um, listen, thank you so much for, for listening. I know for a fact there will be something in there that... Um, well, has quintessentially lit a fire under your ass because it has done for me. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, we'll leave you with the company motto and the fee. With the fee is just tell someone about the show. One person, if you feel like you got value, tell your friend. Literally one person, that's all we ask. So, um, And the company motto is small victories repeated daily. If you apply this to your life, you will see some form of success in some way. So thank you very much, guys, and we'll talk to you real soon.